Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. It's me, Ellie Krug on AM 950, Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, and you know what? None of this show is pre-recorded. You are getting me live. Yep. The last live show of 2021 coming to you from Ellie Krug. Um, the next two weeks will be pre-recorded. Sorry, it's just the holidays and the way that works. But you get me live today. And you know what that means? That means you can talk to me. And I would love to talk to you. We don't get to do that very often here on LE 2.0 Radio. And I love my listeners. So... Um, give me a call at 952-946-6205. Um, I have a prompt for you. Uh, and uh, there's, this is a hodgepodge show of a b- bunch of different things. But, but here's the prompt. If you want to call in, weigh in on this or even something else. But here you go. The prompt is this. Are you optimistic or pessimistic as you head towards 2022. I'd love to hear how you're feeling. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Are you optimistic or are you pessimistic as we go into the next year? It may be a very, very pivotal year for America. So uh, give us a call, 952-946-6205. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, what are we going to do today? Well, the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to try and avoid uh, me coughing Um, because I have had a cough for the last uh, week plus. Uh, It's getting better, uh, but uh, my producer, Patrick's going to have a little bit of a challenge today because he's going to have to be looking for my cues, like right now. I need to uh, cough. And so hopefully, uh, as I said, it's getting a lot better. We're going to talk about a featured idealist, Uh, today, uh, someone who passed away this week. I want to talk about a number of things going on with transgender people in America. Hey, you know what? That's why the name is Ellie Krug. If you're on Facebook Live right now, I'm not looking too bad as a chick, uh, but uh, certainly the voice uh, leaves much to be desired. Trust me. Um, And then I'm going to talk a little bit about a gift I gave myself and and then uh, about holiday giving uh, in general. So, all right, let's talk about our featured idealist for the day. And, and by all means, give us a call. You know, my prompt, are you optimistic or pessimistic going into the new year? Um, 952-946-6205. But our featured idealist um, is somebody that I must admittedly tell you I did not exist. I did not know existed um, until she died uh, this week. Um, my uh, college education came at lovely co-college in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It's a wonderful, great school. But in the late 1970s, when I went to college, um, my uh, world was pretty narrow. I was focused on becoming a lawyer, not so much on becoming human. And so my course of studies was pretty limited. And I know that I missed this idealist. I miss this person. No idea that she existed until she died. And I am speaking of the exceedingly well-known writer and lecturer, Bell Hooks, 
um, who that is a pen name for Gloria Jean Watkins. Um, but everybody knows uh, Gloria Jean Watkins by the pen name of Bell Hooks. Um, and Bell Hooks is, uh, uh, was uh, born in Kentucky. She's an African-American, was an African-American woman. She was born into a segregated town in Kentucky in 1952 to um, a working class African-American family. Her father was a janitor and her mother worked as a maid at the homes of white families. Bell Hooks, however, um, was able to get an education. And I'm, I am always the advocate for education because it is a great, great leveler. And she ended up uh, going to um, getting a, um, a BA in English from Stanford University in 1973 and then a master's in English from the University of Wisconsin, Madison, 1976. Then uh, she went on to get uh, a PhD um, from, uh, and I'm not, I can't uh, pick that up very quickly. Um, and so, but what she is best known for, I mean, she has written 30 different books, but what she is best known for was a book that she started when she was, um, age 19, um, and did not publish until, uh, 10 years later. She started while she was in college, did not publish it until 10 years later. And um, that title of that book is Ain't I a Woman, Black Women and Feminism. And according to a piece written in the New York Times today that I picked up, uh, this is a piece by Jennifer Schlusser. Um, it's a piece titled The Wide Angle Vision and Legacy of Bell Hooks. Um, Schlusser writes uh, that um, she had interviewed Amani Perry, a professor of African-American studies at Princeton. She quotes Perry as saying this, quote, I think we can't overstate her influence, referring to Bell Hooks. For so many people, Bell Hooks was their first introduction to social theory, critiques of patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism. She came from this really sophisticated world of cultural theory, but she connected it to her very particular experience of growing up in Jim Crow, Kentucky. Sorry about that. She had all the chops to write in this more traditional, drier, academic style, but she chose differently because she wanted to connect with everyday people. Hold on, I got to cough again. Okay, all right, you're getting a sense. Actually, I'm feeling a lot better. Sorry about that. Hold on. Hopefully that'll be it for a bit. Now... Um, Bell Hooks, um, as I said, went on to write 30 books and to teach at a number of different colleges and universities, in, including uh, Oberlin. And, uh, and uh, she, uh, she was somebody who was able to, in a very concrete way, talk about what it meant to be a black woman and to interweave it with feminism and other um, critical topics. Um, again, I missed her. I did not know about her, and, and I'm appalled. I did not know about Bell Hooks before this week when she died. She was also kind of a rabble-rouser. Um, so in 2002, she gave a commencement speech at Southwestern University. Uh, she uh, 
she did not give your traditional uh, commencement speak. And instead, she spoke against what she saw as government-sanctioned violence and oppression and admonished students who she believed went on along, uh, went, went along with such practices. Uh, the Austin Chronicle reported that many in the audience booed the speech, though several graduates passed over the provost to shake Bill uh, uh, Hook's hand or to give her a hug. Um, now, the, the other thing about Bell Hooks is she, use her, she uses the name Bell Hooks in lower letters. So there's no capital for Bell or Hooks. Um, she used the name for two reasons. One, uh, uh, it's a pen name. One, uh, her maternal grandmother was named Bell Hooks. And, and the maternal, it was maternal, excuse me, great-grandmother was known for Bell was named Bell Hooks, and she was known for being snappy and bold of the tongue. So it sounds like uh, her great-granddaughter took after that. But Bell Hooks also used the lower case to distinguish herself um, from her great-grandmother, but also as a way of focusing on her work and not on her personal qualities. And I find that extremely interesting that she would do that. Uh, whole name, lowercase. If you have ever emailed me, you will know that I sign all of my emails, Ellie, but lowercase. I do not capitalize the E. And, um, and I, it, it's just exceedingly interesting that Bell Hooks did that to focus on her, she did that to focus on her work and not herself. And that is exactly exactly why I use the small E in Ellie. The work that I do <clears throat> lends to aggrandizement, and I'm sure for Bell Hooks as well. I mean, after all, 30 books, nationally known, internationally known. Um, and I don't want that. I want people to focus on what my work is, what the work is, not on me on the principles I talk about, about compassion, about us getting past, how we group and label other humans and all of that stuff. So anyway, I found that exceedingly interesting about Bell Hooks. Um, I uh, urge you to read up about her. All you got to do is Google Bell Hooks. You're going to come up with a Wiki Wikipedia page or you can go to the New York Times today and see Jennifer Schlusser's article about Bell Hooks. Um, but I, I highly, highly recommend... <clears throat> that you read up about this person and you get some idea of understanding and knowing um, her point of view and a point of view that we don't hear about nearly enough here and today in 2021, soon to be 2022. Okay, well, listen, that gets us to um, the end of our my first segment. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about what's going on with transgender people in the world. I'll be back in a second. I wanna hold the hand inside you I wanna take a breath out Alright, Ellie Krug back, Ellie 2.0 radio, live. Um uh, and uh, challenged around this cough, which is uh, now acting up, which I had I anticipated it would be this bad. 
I think I may have done something differently. But thank you for hanging in with me. And Patrick, my producer, he's doing just such a great job. So remember, you get me live. We don't get to talk very often live, okay? And so give me a call at 952-946-6205. The prompt is, are you optimistic or pessimistic as we head into 2022? Um, but I'm happy to talk with you about other things as well. And, um, and I see we've got a caller. We've got... Uh, Rachel from upstate New York. Rachel, I think I know this, Rachel. How are you? Hi, Ellie. I'm doing great. Um, hope you feel better really soon. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, it's good to hear from you, Rachel. How are you? I am doing very well. Um, I will start off by answering your question. Okay. Um, are you, are you am, optimistic or pessimistic? Go ahead. I would say I am cautiously optimistic. Okay. Um, I I am encouraged by all of the news over the past couple of days with uh, having this current fascist Republican Party being held responsible for what they've done. Um, I just hope it happens quick enough. Um, it does scare me a little bit as to um, how far they will go to gain power. Um, so I would say yes, cautiously optimistic. Okay, well, I, I appreciate that, Rachel. Um, I think that it's going to be a challenging year, that's for sure. You know, on the way into the in uh, today, um, I was listening to MSNBC and and I'm not I can't recall who was saying it, but there was the comment that you know the Republicans, really um, don't care about being um, uh, hypocrites. I mean, you know, they, they say one thing and they do something that's opposite to it. I remember, you know, Mitch McConnell saying, well, you know, we're going to hold a, a Supreme Court seat open because it's an election year, let the voters decide. And then, of course, Justice Ginsburg dies and, and they absolutely don't do what they, you know, said they would do. And now we have Amy Comey Barrett in. Um, but but the Republicans don't, they don't care that they're hypocritical. All they care about is that they have power. Now, that's a very broad statement on my part, and, and I don't like to be a divider. I'm more than a unifier. But Rachel, I hope you are right. I hope that it is going to be a good year. And uh, I appreciate you giving me a call. And you take care of yourself, okay? You do the same. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. All right, listeners, um, again, if you want to call in, give me how you're feeling. Are you optimistic or pessimistic as you head into 2022 and why? Give me a call at 952-946-6205. Um, for this uh, segment and maybe over into the next one, I want to talk a little bit about my community, the transgender community. And I know that uh, pr maybe some of you are like, oh, more, more stuff about transgender people. Hey, you know... Um, we are an exceedingly marginalized group of humans um, and almost constantly under attack one way or another. But I've got some good news and maybe some other news. Um, but uh, just this week, a jury in uh, uh, Missouri awarded a transgender uh, high school student uh, $4 million dollars after his school, uh, the Blue Schools, 
excuse me, the Blue Springs School District in Lee Summit, Missouri, after his school refused to let him, a transgender boy, use the boys' restroom or locker rooms. Now, they did this. They, 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 they discriminated against him for a long time. This boy in 2010 changed uh, his name and amended his birth certificate four years later in 2014. The state of Missouri recognized this human as a boy. But his school district, that is the Blue Springs School District in Lee's Summit, Missouri, refused to do that. And they forced him um, in middle school and first year of high school to use the boys' restroom. Excuse me. Um, they, they refused to allow him to use the boys' restroom and boys' locker room in middle school and first year of high school. Uh, he filed a lawsuit uh, in 2015. It's taken some time for this lawsuit to come to fruition. Um, but last week, a jury awarded him um, $175,000 in compensatory damages for emotional distress and then another $4 million, $4 million in punitive damages against the school district. Um, a very rare uh, victory, but I will tell you, this is going on across America where transgender children are being refused to are, are being refused access to the restrooms and locker rooms that aligns with their gender identity. School officials are refusing to do that. Um, they're worried about parents being upset because I'll tell you, uh, usually the, the students don't care. I mean, they don't care who's in their restroom usually, okay? But it's the parents. And so they're worried about the one or two parents that, that are a problem uh, and they refuse to ac- uh, do anything. Now, I will tell you, here in Minnesota, you know, the Minnesota Department of Education has, has said that transgender kids are supposed to be allowed access to use restrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identities. Here in Minnesota, there are school districts that are still not doing that. There are. And, uh, and this is a problem. You know, um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not a winning solution for those school districts because they're going to get sued. There's an organization here in the state called Gender Justice that takes up those cases. By the way, Gender Justice out of St. Paul, really great organization to support. Um, those school districts are going to get sued and they're going to spend a lot of money and they're going to lose. And what have they accomplished? Nothing except they spent a lot of money and put a whole lot of people through great anguish. So um, great result for this kid um, in, Kansas, in the Kansas City area. And um, I'm thrilled for him. And hopefully other school districts in, this, in the country will pay attention to that verdict. All right. Also, as it relates to transgender people, I am sure that many of you have heard the story about uh, Leah Thomas, uh, the swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania at Penn. Um, She's a senior this year. And about the fact that uh, within the last month, uh, she she has um, set three school records and uh, two national records for her swimming times. Um, This has become a lightning rod um, over transgender athletes um, in uh, high school and college sports. Uh, and, and, and Leah Thomas 
uh, has refused to give any interviews except she gave one interview to a um, podcast called Swim Swam. And so I have a little bit about what she has to say about all of this. Um, uh, let's see. Let me begin. Where do I begin? Um, I begin with this fact that um, uh, for two and a half years until, you know, two and a half years before this, uh, Leah Thomas was on um, uh, uh, hormone replacement, taking estrogen and the testosterone blocker. Now I see that my time is going to be up. Hold on. When I come back, I'll finish the story about Leah Thomas. Um, thanks for being here with me on the live show. I really appreciate it. Patrick's doing a great job. He's got pay attention to everything's going on. We'll be back in a sec. Thanks. And we're back on AM 950. Ellie Krug here, Ellie 2.0 Radio. Now, um, it's live, so I would love to be talking a little bit more, a number of more listeners, if possible. Uh, give me a call at 952-946-6205. I've got a prompt. Are you optimistic or pessimistic going into 2022? Um, but I'm also happy to talk with you about anything else you want to bring up. So I'd love to hear from you. Before we took our break, um, I was talking about uh, the swimmer at uh, University of Pennsylvania, Leah Thomas, who is transgender, so transgender woman, who's set a number of, of swimming records um, within the last month. And as a result, has become under come under great attack and fire and reignited the controversy over transgender athletes. Um, the thing uh, to understand about Leah is that for three years, she competed on the University of Pennsylvania swim team, the men's team. She did. But she was very troubled doing that. Um, she has said that it caused her a lot of distress um, and that she was struggling. Uh, quote, uh, my mental health was not very good. There was a lot of unease that basically just about just feeling trapped in my body like it didn't align. She then went on to say that she, um, uh, that it was incredibly important for her to compete and swim as her authentic self. So, uh, beginning in uh, 2019, she came out as transgender and, and announced that she would be on the women's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, under NCAA rules, uh, rules which the NCAA has had for a decade, if you are transgender, um, going from male to female, so a trans woman, uh, you need to um, spend a year taking testosterone-suppressing drugs so that the, your testosterone levels in your body go down. Um, Leah Thomas did that for two and a half years before she started to compete because the, the swim season last year was interfered with by COVID and, um, and she took off uh, a year as well so that she could compete fully as a female. And that, that is her, that's this year, this is her last year as a senior at University of Pennsylvania. Um, 
she, uh, her speeds, okay, um, where she set these records, her speeds were significantly lower than her speeds for when she was swimming as a man. So obviously, testosterone uh, suppressant had worked. Uh, taking, I can tell you uh, right now that taking estrogen uh, does a number on your muscle mass. I, I'm here to report on that. I know that personally um, as well. And But as I said, this has reignited a big debate about trans athletes in sports. Now, Note this statistic. There are, um, by some estimates, 200,000 women athletes in college. 200,000. Out of those 200,000, only 100, that is 100, are trans women athletes. Only 100. So we're not talking about a major population here. And uh, there have been some studies about the, the, you know, really the extent to which trans women athletes in college sports, whether they are really have much of an advantage. And so one study of eight transgender women runners, okay, so it's not a big study, but one study of eight transgender women runners, uh, none of them, um, uh, uh, were more competitive, uh, excuse me, none of them had uh, been more competitive against other runners um, compared to when they ran as males. So, so studies are showing that trans women don't have much of a competitive advantage, if any, in sports. But that's not, that's not stopping the people who are intolerant from just going after Leah Thomas and other transgender women. Um, uh, for example, this morning before I came in, I saw a Fox News story about Leah Thomas and, uh, they were misgendering Leah Thomas, calling Leah Thomas him and he calling Leah Thomas a man. Um, it, I mean, and so, you know, what this does is it's red meat for the people who are intolerant of transgender people. You know, and it certainly gives Fox News a whole lot of stuff to um, uh, write about. Uh, All I can just tell you is pay attention to this. I'm here to report to you this is not a controversy that's going to go away. Um, Right now, there are 10 states that have passed laws uh, prohibiting transgender women from participating in sports, either at the high school level or the college level, 10 states have passed like discrimination laws. I mean, can you imagine again, as I have said in the past, can you imagine if a state passed a law and said they're diabetic, you can't participate in sports? Okay. You just can't. Can you imagine what the outcry would be over that? But there's not much of an outcry when the states target transgender people, target them with laws and discriminating it. I mean, this is like outright discrimination. So, all right. Third transgender-related story. Hastings, Minnesota. And I'm sure some of you have heard about the story of Kelsey Waits, who was uh, the president of the school board in Hastings. She was running for re-election. And over the course of the summer, 
the the re-election, the election got heated. You know what's going on with our local school boards. And a group of parents in Hastings, um, first they called themselves uh, uh, conservative parents for Hastings, and then then they changed that to, I think, concerned parents because they didn't think the conservative thing was uh, helping them. But one of their members um, somehow heard that Kelsey Waits had a eight-year-old transgender daughter. And this was a secret that Kelsey Waits and her husband um, tried very desperately to keep in the background. They did not want uh, their daughter to be the subject of any kind of controversy, and they did not want their daughter being outed, um, certainly by strangers. But uh, someone on this group uh, opposing Kelsey Waits, opposing her uh, re-election to the school board, did that outing. And, uh, and then other people within the Hastings community, or maybe not in, within the community, but certainly within part of this group, um, other people started piling on, calling Kelsey Waits and her husband child abusers, uh, saying they should be arrested or locked up for what they're doing to their daughter, all kinds of things like that. Now, Kelsey, uh, unfortunately, did not win re-election to the school board. And she and her husband are moving or have moved from Hastings uh, to another community because of, of what happened. Uh, Kelsey is, the, she is one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And uh, she and her husband clearly are doing a wonderful job of supporting their transgender daughter. Their daughter, um, I, I believe, identifies as non-binary um, and uses pronouns they and them. Um, but this is within the umbrella of, of the transgender community. And I, I feel for Kelsey and I, I that, you know, and she, so CNN picked up a big story about uh, Kelsey and her family. And, and so her name has been out there. Uh, she's now gone on to uh, form a, she wants to form a, a parent support network to advocate for transgender kids. Good for her. And uh, I, I wish her all the luck on doing that. Why is it that transgender people are, are the target of so much? You know, I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm incredibly lucky. You know, I've got, I've got education, I've got some resources, I've got huge privilege. I don't, you know, I'm lucky and I'm knocking right now. I have not been the subject of much marginalization. I've not. I mean, every, you know, I mean, yes, frequently I'm, I'm called sir when it, it just happened yesterday at the store. Uh, somebody called me sir and uh, then apologized and then called me sir again. <laughs> but num, num, I, that, that's all quite livable. Why is it that transgender people are targeted so very much? What is it about my community that makes people so intolerant? You know, is it the idea that it's a choice, that we don't have to be the way that we are? Do we threaten people because we live authentically? You know, I mean, I just reported about Leah Thomas, who, who said as she was swimming as a man for three years that, you know, that that was just so incredibly difficult for her and that she wanted to finish out her swimming career as her true authentic self, a woman. Is it that we live authentically and somehow that is threatening to people? I don't know exactly what it is, 
but I see the results of the intolerance, whatever the reason. And it is, I am here to report, appalling. It's appalling. Now, I'm going to, if you know who I am, okay, you know that I don't stand by. I always try and do something. And so, um, uh, uh, three years ago, I spoke in Hastings uh, because there had some other controversy involving uh, transgender people. I'm now going to go back to Hastings. Um, I'm going to, and for you, if you have an interest in coming to my talk, uh, the talk is titled Bridging Divides. I'm going to be speaking in Hastings at the Hastings Middle School Auditorium on January 5th, beginning at 6.30. So if you want to come, show up. Um, you can go to the uh, Facebook page of Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, Hastings. Um, you can get more information there. You can reach out to me at Ellie Krug. At, you know, reach out at Krug at gmail.com. But if you want to come, I would welcome you. Um, Hastings Middle School Auditorium on, on the evening of January, January 5th, 6.30, I will be speaking. And my talk, Bridging Divides, is about how to get past othering of all humans. And I actually will show in that talk, there is no such thing as other. I'm going to prove this to you. There's just simply us. I'm, I'm going to, I will, I'll prove that at the talk. You'll see. So come. We have to get past this, everyone. We just do. This is what they're doing to transgender people so easily can be done to anyone else any other group that's not part of, quote-unquote, the mainstream. Okay, well, listen, I've got to take another break. I've been doing pretty good on the non-coughing. Um, uh, last break, uh, last segment, give me a call, 952-946-6205. I'd, like to talk, I'd love to talk to you. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Ellie 2.0 Radio on lovely AM 950. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, deep-voiced Ellie Krug. How are you? Um, I'm going to give you one last pitch to give me a call if you want. Tell me, are you optimistic or pessimistic as we head into 2022? 952-946-6205. You've got about seven minutes to give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. This last segment, I want to talk about gift-giving. Okay. In my life, I mean, I've gotten a lot of gifts from a lot of different people. Trust me. Oh, I've been so incredibly lucky. In my life, though, there are two gifts, two gifts that I've received that are at the top of the pyramid. Gift number one, I gave to myself. And that was permission to live as me. It was not easy, everyone. When I read about Leah Thomas and the struggles and how difficult it was for her to swim as a, presenting as a man <clears throat> and her need to finish out her career at Penn, swimming as who she truly is, a woman, 
it reminded me about how incredibly difficult it was for me to present as a man. I fought myself over trying to stay a man for 40 years. I did. And finally, I realized, you know, that one's gender is not a choice. You can't choose who you really are, either gender-wise, sexuality, or a bunch of other things. And when I said, okay, I'm going to be me, I'm going to come out as me, that was a gift I gave myself. I will forever be grateful that I did. But the second gift actually is more important than that. The second gift is what my daughter gave me. You see, when I came out, I lost my older, older daughter. I lost her for four years. We went two and a half years without seeing each other. And for all of those four years, we were very estranged. And it was very, very difficult. We would go months without talking. It was so hard. But then my daughter came back to me. She came back. And now we are so close. Just got a text from her last night. She had to show me this <clears throat> note she had gotten from work with a huge bonus. I was so incredibly proud of her. So incredibly proud. But she came back to me. That's the best gift I ever got. I will forever, ever be grateful that my daughter was willing to change her perspective, willing to see me as who I really am and to, and to love me. And boy, is she a big supporter and she, she's a protector of me. So anyway, now it is the end of the year. <clears throat> and if you heard my show last week, I talked about gift giving and I'm going to do that again. And I'm going to make a pitch for two things, just like I did last week. And it's the same two things. One is AM 950. I mean, we are, I, I don't even know if there are 20 of these stations, progressive stations left in America. And uh, it's not easy. You know, you can become a member of AM 950 and just go to the website, find out how you can be a member. You make a contribution. If you can set it up that you give a weekly or excuse me, a monthly contribution every month, that would be great. And if you, can, if you can't do that, if you can consider at least a one-time contribution to AM 950, please do that. We really need it. And by the way, uh, I, 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 I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't get any of that. None of that money comes my way. Trust me. Okay. I do this show uh, gratis. Second, Minnesota Women's Press. It's the oldest feminist uh, written publication in the country led by women. Um, they are embarking on this thing called Changemakers Alliance where in 2022, they're going to go across the state and foster conversations. Remember, I'm a big, we, we, we need to talk to each other in order to get past all the crap that we have right now. And that means people who ordinarily would not talk to each other, we need to get them in a room and to talk. And Minnesota Women's Press 
is going to embark on doing that. But they are an independent publication. They have no big, you know, conglomerate behind them. Um, they are, they are bare bones. They are bare bones. I write for them every month. Again, I do that gratis. So this pitch I'm making to you is not going to put any money in Ellie Krug's pocket. But if you can contribute to Minnesota Women's Press, please do that. All you have to do is go to the website, Minnesota Women's Press. You're going to see a way that you can donate. I would ask that you do that. We need to support our independent press organizations. You know, and they write about such incredibly important stuff. You know, in the past year, they've written about missing and, and uh, murdered indigenous women. They've written about um, the, the environment. They've written about um, how, how, to, how to survive the pandemic. So uh, just incredibly important things. So please consider um, donating, supporting Minnesota Women's Press. Lastly, this is the last show of the season, of the year. You'll get to, please go and tune in. You, we'll, you'll, you'll get some good shows um, the next two weeks. And I won't be talking to you, though, until um, the first uh, Saturday in uh, January. I hope that you get a good holiday. I hope that it's safe for you and your family health-wise, safety-wise. I hope that you get the time to reconnect with people. I hope that you get the time to reconnect with yourself. We are all so stressed. We are all trying. I hope that over the course of the next two weeks, you can get back to zero, get replenished, because trust me, 2022 is going to be a barn burner. And we need everybody to show up 100%. Okay, that's the end of the show. I want to be a big thanks to my producer, Patrick, who has been <laughs> Go, working off the cough button. Um, and to all of you, my listeners, I wish you happy holidays, a wonderful new year heading into 2022. And the next time I'm talking to you, it'll be the new year. See ya. Talk to you in 22. Take care. Goodbye.